Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Little is understood about the consequences of HIV neuroinvasion, and there are some major disagreements among researchers about HIV infection of the brain. Dr. Jonathan Karn is here to speak with us about that today. Dr. Karn is the Reinberger Professor of Molecular Biology at Case Western School of Medicine and the Director of AIDS Research at Case Western in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Karn. You're presenting your research, Novel Findings of Neuronal Modulation of HIV Expression in Microglia at CROI 2021. Can you give us an overview of this study? So I was asked by Dennis Coulson and Serena Splitich to both give an overview of controversial aspects of HIV infection of the brain and then talk a little bit about our own specific research programs. So in the talk, I addressed sort of three major controversies about HIV infection of the brain. And some of these controversies are, you know, surprisingly simple in scope, but it just shows how, how little we understand about the consequences of HIV neuroinvasion. So one of the first controversies is, does HIV establish latency in the central nervous system at all? I think preponderance of the evidence is that viruses actually can get in, infect microglia, and become transcriptionally silenced. But this has been very difficult to prove with uh, human studies because all samples have to be uh, postmortem samples. And so our understanding of that really comes from animal models. Uh, including uh, the SIV model and humanized mouse models. Another controversy, again, surprisingly simple, is uh, what cells are infected by HIV and become latent. And I think everyone agrees that perivascular macrophages are uh, critical entry points into the brain for the virus. Most people believe microglia can be infected, and but it's not so clear how, how latent they are. And there's controversy about whether astrocytes are also able to sustain infections. So one of the things my lab did in collaboration with Paula Cannon is uh, work with humanized mouse models where we were able to introduce human microglia into the brains of, of mice, infect them with HIV, recover the microglial cells from the, uh, the population and reactivate them ex vivo. And we were able to show definitively that cells of human origin got infected with HIV and uh, that they were latently infected. So they required ex vivo reactivation in order to show uh, viral expression. So the third controversy is whether HIV neurodegenerative uh, disorders are, are due solely to inflammation. And the field has been split between camps that it's the virus stupid, I'm in that camp, and it's inflammation stupid. Some of my colleagues are in that camp. But I think the answer is that it's a little of both. And that, that's usually what happens with these kinds of controversies. And so we have an overarching hypothesis that we've been working on, that intermittent activation of HIV from latent states is, which is in response to inflammatory signals, is what's driving uh, neurodegeneration. And this is a long, slow process uh, that occurs over many years. Can you elaborate more on how neuronal modulation impacts HIV expression in microglia? What did you and your research team find? So one of the 
real surprises we had is when we started doing cell culture experiments between microglial cells and neurons. And we found that if you have an isolated microglial cell, it's usually a pretty activated cell. The virus comes in and it's expressing. But if you cell culture it with neurons, healthy neurons, then there's signals that are propagated from the neurons that reduce the inflammatory responses of the microglia. The microglia calm down, the virus goes latent. And so this was the first evidence we had that latency in the microglia is a function of the cell activation state and the cell activation state is mediated by the neurons. Now, the other surprise we had about this was that it was a two-way street. If the neurons were damaged, then they propagated signals that reactivated the virus. So, and this is actually following a pattern of how microglia cells normally work in the brain. So their job is to survey damaged neurons, chew them up, get them out of the picture. But their job is also, when neurons are healthy, to facilitate uh, synaptic connections. And so microglia normally have these different polarization states. And what we found is that transcription control in HIV mirrored that. When the microglia were in their phagocytic activated uh, state, HIV was going strong. And when uh, the microglia were in their anti-inflammatory surveillance state, then the HIV tended to be latent. Now, you briefly did touch on this, but how do the novel findings of neuronal modulation of HIV expression differ in healthy neurons versus damaged neurons? Yeah, so as I was saying, the, the damaged neurons are releasing inflammatory signals that activate the microglia. And this whole process is exacerbated by inflammatory cytokines. And there's actually a good correlation between the progression of hand and circulating inflammatory cytokines. So those are signals that activate microglia. The microglia start chewing up the neurons. The neurons start crying out for help. That initiates a feedback mechanism uh, that leads to neuronal damage. In the case of healthy neurons, it's the opposite. They are issuing signals that calm uh, the neurons, uh, calm the microglial down. And we've been trying to investigate exactly what those signals are. So one of our very recent findings is that the ligand for fractal kine and also CD200, these are two major uh, neuronal signals uh, for interacting with microglia. They seem to be at least part of the picture of what gets HIV into latency. But there may be additional signals involving glutamate regulation, and, and that might actually be a role for astrocytes in the system as well. So there's still a rich area of research to figure out what's the basis for this crosstalk. But the general principle is once there's neuronal damage, perhaps due to inflammation, then the microglia get activated, HIV pops out, you have local damage. And then when an environment, uh, when that gets resolved, then the microglia shut back down again. My next question for you, patients with HIV are living longer due to improved antiretroviral therapy. So why is all of this that we've been talking about so important really to study now? Well, one of the little known aspects of, of HIV is that uh, 30 to 50% of patients have measurable neurocognitive problems. Now, these aren't, you know, overt. They, do, they don't compromise people, people's day-to-day -day activities. Uh, but it's significant enough that uh, with careful neurocognitive evaluations and testing, uh, it shows up. 
And so this is a big worry that you, despite you know, very effective therapy, there is still viral blipping in the central nervous system and evidence of you know, a long, slow neurological problem. And of course, uh, for patients where therapy is failing, then the virus can emerge in the central nervous system and you can see overt, you know, severe damage in, and in completely untreated HIV infections. You know, if there's a collapse of the therapy, it can lead to overt uh, dementia. So, you know, this is a significant long-term problem that's affecting up to half of uh, HIV patients, even if they're well-treated. What would you say are the overall take-home messages of your study and your session at CROI 2021? Well, I think the first message is don't forget the brain. You know, we tend to focus on the periphery, uh, T-cell. A lot of the cure efforts are focused on eliminating peripheral reservoirs, and clearly they're where most of the virus is. But there is this other compartment, which has very distinct mechanisms uh, and issues. Uh, the second take-home message, I think, is that a lot of ne- long-term neuro- neurological problems are due to dysregulation of microglial cells. That's a theme that's been showing up in Alzheimer's uh, disease, Parkinson's, other neurodegenerative conditions. And in the case of HIV, uh, it's very striking how the virus is sort of fitting into microglial dysbiosis, and uh, that may be ultimately the source of the neurological complications and HIV infections. What's next for research on this topic? Well, we've got a long way to go. Uh, we, we still really don't know the, all of the signals. The good news for research is some of the models are now increasingly refined. Uh, we've been working successfully with transgenic mouse models that lets us recover cells and actually using single cell sequencing methods really dive under the hood and define what is the activation state of the microglial cells when they're infected with HIV, how do they respond locally to a neuronal uh, signal. So we're optimistic about that, but we're just scratching the, uh, the surface there. The other big technology that's come in has been uh, human organoids. And we and a number of other labs have been developing methods to introduce microglial cells into these organoids. And that gives us another tool to really look at close interactions between microglia, astrocytes, and neurons, and again, really get to the bottom of what are the signals. And finally, of course, we want to do some good for the world. And we know that these signals are activating particular nuclear receptors. So we think there are opportunities for drug interventions by blocking these receptors, things in the retinoid receptor family where there there are existing drugs uh, that are brain penetrant. And and we're hopeful that if we really understand the signals, we can find ways of keeping HIV down. Thank you for speaking with us, Dr. Karn. We'll give you the last word. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Great. Pleasure to talk to you. I think this has been a relatively neglected area in HIV research. I would, you know, encourage all the clinical folks to be attentive to neurocognitive issues in their patients, even if they're 
otherwise doing well. And I think, you know, I look forward to, to seeing drug discovery efforts in, in this area, which I think will be important for the future. And finally, you know, this all of this kind of issue becomes even worse in uh, drug using uh, populations. And we really don't know what's the impact of uh, opioids or methamphetamine on this, but we certainly know it's, it isn't helping.